Well, Happy New Year, everybody. It is really good to see you. It's good to see everybody choosing to to make a good habit out of coming together with their church family in 2016. How many of you know a neighbor or a friend that needs to make a habit like that? There, There is a family of God that people need to connect to. There is a sense of community that happens when we come together and we need to make it a habit in our lives. It's it's not a sense of duty or legalism or obligation. God's not up there with his attendance chart, you know, marking crossing. Oh, he missed a Sunday. I'm going to fix him. It's just healthy for us to come and connect with people and to build community with one another and, and let our lives encourage each other. So happy new year. Uh, if you've been around for any length of time, uh, you know that our church is a diverse supernatural community helping people encounter Jesus. And that's part of what we're about is to let the life of Jesus be seen in us and the people around us. And uh, I, I was reminded this year as we're talking about New Year's and the decisions that people make, the habits they start, the resolutions, uh, diversity really reminded me of that because we are all at a different point in our walk with Jesus. Some of the people in this room have been walking with Jesus for 50, 60 years, and some people just met him a month ago. So, it's, And he's so amazing. He's so infinite. He's so able to meet each of us right where we are and to give us exactly what we need at the season of life we're in, no matter how long we've been walking with him, where we've come from, what we've done, what we look like on the outside, he knows just what we need. So praise God for chances to get fresh starts, to make resolutions, but thank him for just knowing you, knowing who you are and that you don't need the same cookie cut. Well, we all came the same way. We came through Jesus. We all had to come through the door, but our walk with him, thank him that he's not just a cardboard cookie cutter God saying, hey, you have to do it all like this. He knows exactly what each of us needs individually. And uh, as I was thinking about the new year, how many of you know new years bring new days and they bring new changes to our lives? There there is something about a new year, a fresh start that's exciting for people. And uh, living and growing things change. I was talking about this with Joella the other day uh, at our house. Living and growing things change. There, there should be something in our life that's always changing and growing. If you're not changing and growing, what are you? You're probably dead, right? <laughs> that's, that's the only time in your life when your body stops changing, when things stop growing, is when you die. So that should be something inherent inside of us that, Lord, what is that change? And I know some of us are, are more happy with changes than others. There are some things that, oh man, I don't want to change. I don't want to shift that around. I don't want to make a, a new start. But there is change that comes that's healthy and, and causes us to grow that we should all embrace, that we should be looking for. And it's the same thing in the natural as it is with our walk with God. There is change that comes to our lives that helps us grow. And uh, I put this cartoon up there. Are you guys good with the cartoon? You got it? There it is. There's Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, Calvin's talking to Hobbes and he says, resolutions? Me? Just what are you implying? That I need to change? Well, buddy, as far as I'm concerned, I'm perfect the way I am. Has anybody ever met somebody like that? And I see wives like nudging their husbands like, stop, don't do that. This We're talking about somebody that's not in this room. But we've all met people like that because inherently we know that's not a good, healthy attitude, is it? There should be something inside of us that wants to change, that wants to make something different, that, that wants ourselves to grow. Uh, I've thought about this verse this morning in Philippians. Even the Apostle Paul, you know, this, this great man of God, wrote most of the New Testament, had his act together, healed people, did these amazing things. Even he knew there was a need to change. In Philippians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 12, it says this, I admit 
How many of you know that's it's like going to an AA meeting right off the bat? Thank God that Paul is so honest. Some of us need to just stop right there in that verse and embrace that. I admit some things this morning. This is what he says. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the destiny which Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. Isn't this the tension of our Christian life? Colossians reminds us that we've been given the fullness of Jesus, right? It says in Colossians chapter 2, all the fullness of the Godhead lives in Jesus, and we have been given that fullness. But the tension of the Christian walk, though, is even though we've been given of it, how many of us are experiencing every moment of every day I'm experiencing the fullness of Jesus? For, for the sake of the recording, no, no hands in the room went up. If, if your hand went up, then maybe the, you should be up here and I should be back there. Even Paul admits, he knows, he he wrote Colossians, he knows that he was given the fullness, but he tells the Philippian church, I'll admit it, I'm still after it. I haven't experienced the fullness that he's been given to me, and that is the tension of our walk. We need to change because there's more. There's, there, we have been given the fullness, but there is more than what we are experiencing right now. And the problem is not on God's side, is it? If, if there is ever a problem in the equation, why we're not experiencing the more of what there is, it's not on God's side of the equation, is it? So that leaves us. And that means there must be some change that needs to happen on our side of things. So even though we've been given the fullness, and we can't earn any of it, right? This, I'm, not, I'm not here to talk about make, make your list of spiritual gymnastics to do this year so you can please God more. You can't earn it the same way you didn't earn your salvation. You can't earn more of the fullness operating in your life. But Paul says you can pursue it. You can make it your goal. You can make it your aim. He, he actually gives the inclination of it being a race that you can run after it. You can make it a pursuit in your life. Lord, I'm not going to stop until I see the more happening in my life. And that, that may look different for each one of us. Some of you may be thinking, hey, I want to see more results when I pray for people. I want to see more effectiveness when I share about Jesus with people, to see them get saved. Whatever that more is, whatever you're wanting to see the kingdom of God manifest in your life, you can make that your pursuit. And that's what Paul says. I, I'll, I'll admit it, he says. I haven't attained it. Because I think Paul was, he was the Apostle Paul, right? He probably had some people that when he would come to town, they'll be like, oh, he walks on water just like Jesus did. He must be perfect. He's, oh, look at all those things he's written, those people he's healed. It, it could have been very discouraging to be around Paul sometimes, couldn't it? Because you're like, man, I could never do that. But Paul says, I'm just like you. I'll admit it, I haven't even attained the fullness of what we're after. But I'm pursuing it. It's my passionate desire. I'm running after it. He goes on in verse 13. He says, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. That's a good word right there. That's a good New Year's word right there. He starts out, he says, we can't do it in our strength. I'll, I'll say I'm not running in my own efforts. It's all about him. It is the strength that Christ gives me. It's, it's his strength that God causes me to move forward. He says we can't do it in our own strength. Just like you had to have Jesus help you to get saved, you still need Jesus' help to, to see the more come, to see the fullness come. And a key that Paul gives us there, a key to embracing that fullness, 
is to forget the past and fasten your heart to the future. I, I love the way that translation renders it. It's like I'm taking my heart and I'm putting it there in the future of what God is going to do, not where I've come from. How many of you have ever met somebody that they're crippled because they're living in the past? It's, it's like you, you just want to shake them or something. Like, come on, can you, just, can you not just leave that behind? Don't, I mean, we all see it. Everybody that's around them looking at them, you're like, man, they are crippling themselves. If they could just let go of it, if they could get over it, they could move forward, it would be so healthy. And Paul says that's a secret to that pursuit, to seeing the more, is to forget some of that stuff that's back there and look to what he's going to do. We've got to stop living in the past. What did, what did Timbo... Who, who were the characters in Lion King? Timon and Pumbaa. That's it. Thank you. What does he say? He says you've got to put your behind in the past. Yeah. And for those of you that aren't awake yet, you'll catch that in a minute. But living in the past cripples people. And this is part of why people make New Year's resolutions, right? Because it's, it's, it's January 1st. There's just something about the flipping of a year, the flipping of a calendar that it's like, oh, this could be a fresh start for me. This, this is a time for me to step out of the past, to move forward, to do something different with my life, to see change happen, to, to respond to that inherent knowing that there must be more than what I'm experiencing right now. January 1st is just a convenient time that people look at on the calendar and say, I'm going to do something about it. Now, here, just between us, since we're the ones here this morning, if you have something you know that you need to do in your life, you can do it any day of the year. Okay, you, you don't have to start just on January. Don't wait for January 1st. You know, it's, there's nothing magic about January 1st. I woke up, I woke up January 1st. I stepped on the scale. I was the same weight I was December 31st. You know, we, we still owe the same bills. I didn't have washboard abs. You know, if it's, if it's good and you want to do it, don't wait for a magic day on the calendar to start. Just, just do it. If you know that it's right for you, there's something about just making the choice and stepping into it. But, I, I will acknowledge that there is something about flipping that calendar where the, the date, you know, hopefully you wrote the right date if you gave a check this morning. This is 2016 now. But the date, you know, that number on the calendar doesn't change that often. And so there's something about January 1st that people are like, this is a good time to start. I'm, I'm going to gear up and I'm going to get ready for the new year. So I'm, I'm not against resolutions, but do things when you need to do them. But if you're making resolutions, I want to tell you a few things this morning about how people make some really horrible resolutions, and how they make some really helpful resolutions. So that's, I want to give you a couple things that are different. Uh, a couple things just to start and lay some groundwork. Uh, thinking about resolutions and change coming in our lives, this, this phrase came to me this week, accountability is useless unless you take responsibility. Have you ever met people that it's somebody else's fault that they're in the condition they're in? And, and it's like all the accountability in the world won't help that person if they don't take ownership of how they got to where they are. You know, nobody else was stuffing donuts in my face. This, this, this is all me right here. I, I did it. I'm not a victim. I ate every one of the calories that I ate in 2015. So I can't be accountable if I don't take responsibility. But that's all this stuff we're going to talk about. That's a good first step for everybody. Take responsibility. How did I get where I am? This, this, every circumstance around us in our life is our making. Because if you are a victim then it, it's somebody else's controlling you over whether you're going to change or not. If, if you're a victim, it's always going to be somebody else's fault why you weigh the same thing you do, why you can't run a marathon, why you have the bills you have, why you're not growing in God, why you can't read your Bible every day. If you're a victim, you don't have power over your situation. But Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to give you self-control. That's one of the things that he develops in us. So we are responsible for what's going on in our lives. 
then that's a good point to look at your neighbor and say, he's right about that. So that's, that's right off the bat. We, we have to take ownership. Uh, successful change comes from owning the situation we're in. Oh, the other, the other thing, I didn't put this in my notes, but I thought about this morning. Please don't make any resolutions that depend on somebody else for them to happen. That's, that's a complete, that wasn't in my notes, that's completely free to you this morning. It doesn't count against my time. <laughs> but don't make resolutions that depend on somebody else to ha- happen because then you're going to be disappointed. And again, you've given somebody else control over your circumstance. We, we, we can control what happens right here in us. Okay, what, what happens in here? Everybody tap your head because that's a big one. You can, you can actually control what you're thinking about and what happens in here and then the choices and the decisions we make. So uh, here's, let's just get right into it. A couple things. Here's a horrible New Year's resolution, not counting the cost. When we think about what we're going to do, it reminds me of the, the passage in Luke. Uh, Jesus is telling them, he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. That's the words of Jesus. He's telling you right there, people are going to make fun of you. How many, how many of you want people to make fun of you? Again, no hands. I'm, maybe I need to ask the other questions, get more involvement, participation. Nobody wants to be made fun of. Nobody wants to be looked at and say, you can't even do what you started. You can't finish it. Jesus, he's talking in a larger context about counting the cost of being a Christian, of following him, but it applies in every area of our life. Count the cost before we make decisions to do things. If we don't count the cost... We're in trouble. Why is that a horrible resolution? Because most resolutions that are worth anything don't happen in one day. Right? They take time. They take energy. They take resources. They take commitment. And there's no shortcuts or gimmicks. Right? Like I talked about the washboard abs. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Like, like there's nothing. If, if, if I decide I want to do something that's worth doing, it's going to take more than a day. And we have to count the cost for that. You know, I, if you, if you're, here's a, here's a tangible rubber meets the road example. And many of you have probably said this. How many of you have ever fallen victim to, I just don't have time to do anything else. There, there is no margin in my life. There is no room in my schedule to fit one other thing in. Okay, so if you're in a place where you don't have time, don't make a New Year's resolution and a commitment to do something that's going to cost more time. Okay, I, I can't lose 75 pounds this year and think, oh, I don't even have any time to build in 15 minutes of exercise a day. Okay, you, that would be not counting the cost. Counting the cost says, all right, if I'm going to make a commitment and a resolution to do something that takes more of my time this year, then I have to also make a resolution to stop doing something that's taking my time. Because we, we all seem to be really good about wanting to do more, but we never want to let go of the stuff we're doing. And that's not counting the cost. Ouch. I know what that's like. And some of the, some of the things there are in my life that I could stop doing, they're no-brainers. Like, oh, that's just a waste of time. I could give that up and put something more beneficial to me in there. And that's what it means by counting the cost. And we, it's a horrible resolution not to count the cost. Because then we go around, we tell all our friends, don't we? I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year, Phyllis. Are you going to do it with me? We're going to be exci- we got the same resolution? Oh, oh, Rusty. 
That was dangerous right there. It's like, why'd you use that one on me? I, come on, we, we tell all our friends, like, this is what I'm going to do this year, and we, we haven't even counted the cost. We don't have time to do it. There's no way. And, and you hear it. You know when people aren't going to be able to do it. Because you're like, man, I've seen your life. I know how you roll. That's not going to happen this year. Count the cost before we make a resolution. And, and you know, there, here's some examples. Uh, you can't lose 15 pounds, not build in time to exercise. How about getting out of debt? Getting out of debt may require you to get a second job. Oh, how can you do that if you're in a place where I don't have time for one single more thing in my life? Reading through the Bible may actually require moving some other things out of your schedule this year. Actually, it may require you to carry your Bible around or, or get it on your phone. Come on, like leverage some technology for a change. If you want to read through the Bible in a year, download a Bible app so you can sit there while you're waiting for a meeting or doing something else. And, oh, man, I'm, oh, that was so good. And you never know, God may actually use what he just deposited there in what you're going to do next. So when I say count the cost, that doesn't mean don't ever do hard things. Okay, because we could make the excuse there of like, well, pastor said count the cost. There's no way I could do that, so I'm not even going to try. Okay, don't do that. That's, that's not what I'm talking about here. That doesn't mean don't ever do hard things. It just means make a plan. Know what's involved. The, the awesome type of resolutions are we've thought it through. We, we know what's going to happen. We've got a plan. We're going to achieve it. It's realistic. We're going to do it. So not counting the cost is a horrible resolution, but thinking it through and planning, that's a great resolution. You can make one like that. So closely related to that, a horrible resolution is making unrealistic resolutions. Has anybody ever made any of those? <laughs> I'm not going to ask what, what they are. You know, don't, don't say something like, I, I keep using weight just because it's on my mind. That's going to be one of my resolutions this year. But, but don't say something like, here's, here's an unrealistic resolution. I'm going to lose 75 pounds this year. Well, well, Pastor, have you ever dieted a day in your life? No, but I'm going to lose 75. Like, don't say I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to run a marathon this year. When's the last time you jogged around the block? Okay, you, you see where this is going? I'm, I'm sorry this is not rocket science this morning. This is very common sense and practical, but it's going to help you if you listen and make resolutions these ways. Uh, don't, don't resolve to be the most generous person who's ever lived when you've never given anything away to anybody. Unrealistic resolutions cripple us. Don't, don't try to cram a decade's worth of accomplishments into one year. Right? Is that what it said on the screen behind me? There you go. Don't try to do that. If, if you've never resolved to change, if you've never made a plan for it, don't say, hey, I'm going to take the last 10 years of me not changing and do it all this year. That's unrealistic, and you're going to fail. And again, that's, those are the kind of resolutions when you hear people saying, you're like, I know what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm not being a prophet of doom and gloom over you. I just know how things work. It's not going to happen. We need to make realistic resolutions. Here's awesome resolutions are realistic goals in our lives. They're things that we know we can accomplish. And here's, here's a great way to do it. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Here's, here's a very practical tip. Find someone who's doing well in an area that you'd like to improve in and follow them. Ask them some questions. How'd you do that? What, what, what changes did you make in your life? What plan did you put in place? How did, Steve, you've been married to Karen for how many years? Am I allowed to ask? 47. You, you, you're thinking, man, I want to have a happy marriage. You know, Zach and Christina, you're getting ready to get married this spring. That would be a good place to start. Man, 
we want to last 47 years. How does that work? What are some tips you can give? Make realistic goals. And one of the ways to do that is find somebody that's done it and just ask them, hey, I want to do that. How does it work? And that helps you make a, make a plan and make it realistic in your life. And please don't do this. Don't fall into the trap of comparison, though. Because that, that's, a, that's a roadblock. That's a hurdle from the enemy. He'd like you to look at Steve and Karen and think, 47 years, man, I'm, we're not even going to make five. Or you know, whatever you're thinking. Don't get in the trap of comparison, but follow people as they've gone ahead of you. And particularly the way Paul's talking about here in your Christian walk. May there's changes you want to make this year. You want to, you want to root selfishness out of your life. You want to get rid of pride. Whatever, whatever it may be in your life, find somebody that you look at and you're like, man, they're so humble. They're so gentle. Like, tell me, tell me how's that work? And, and make realistic goals for ourselves. A couple of things I wrote down. If you want to run a marathon, how about set a goal of running a 5K by the end of the year? That's much more realistic. How about instead of saying, oh, I'm going to be like Billy Graham and evangelize the nations. How about setting a goal of, man, I'm going to tell my neighbor how good Jesus is this year and see what happens. You know, don't, don't set something that you can't do. How about instead of saying, I have to get it right, whatever get it right may be, whatever circumstance comes along. How many of you have ever had those tests where you're just like, man, I failed again. Going to go around the mountain. Instead of saying, hey, my resolution is I'm going to get it right in every single aspect, every challenge, every test in my life this year, how about I'm going to resolve to learn something from every single challenge and test in my life this year? I may or may not get it right, but my resolution is I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to find something that improves who I am. I'm going to find out how to be more like Jesus after I walk through that. <laughs> I also wrote this note. How about this focus? This is, this is setting realistic goals. These, are, these make it much more realistic when you set a goal to do this. How about focusing on something you like doing? Come on, don't, don't you hear people all the time, they make resolutions that you're like, you hate doing that. Why are you making a resolution to say, I want to do it more? You know, it's like, hey, I, 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 love, I love drinking sugary drinks. Okay, it's probably not a realistic resolution for you to say, hey, I'm going to give up sugar for an entire year. But how about I'm just going to cut out a couple? How about resolving to do things that you like? I'm going to, I'm going to have more face-to-face conversations this year instead of always on my phone. I'm going to resolve to go outside more this year because I like walking through the woods. Find something that you actually like to do, and, and amazingly, you'll find out, man, I made a resolution to do that, and I kept it this year because I really enjoyed while I was doing it. There, there are things that we need to think through through being realistic. So that's, that's another one, set realistic goals. Here's some really horrible resolutions. Uh, legalism. Now, go with me on this one. These are resolutions that sound good, but we beat ourselves up when we don't do them. Like, like we, we get really holy and pious on January 1st. I'm going to resolve to pray an extra hour every day. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through the Bible in two weeks because I'm so holy. I've resolved to do it. Or, or this one stepped on my toes. I'm going to resolve to call my mom every day. Don't those sound good? It, it sounds good, but then something happens in our mind where we set them up to be rules and obligations and law, and then we beat ourselves up when we don't do it. Oh, it's Sunday. I didn't call my mom since Wednesday. Mom, mom who, by the way, fell down on the ice at my grandma's house yesterday. That's, that's why she's not, she's okay, but she's not here this morning because she was so sore when she woke up this morning. She called, she's like, I just need to take it easy today. So if you think about mom, pray for her. But I know that because I called her. (laughs) 
But it's not, it's not a legalistic obligation resolution where if I don't do it, I'm going to beat myself up. Uh, it's something that I just, you know, there's nothing wrong with those things. Don't, please don't go home and say, well, I'm, I'm not going to make a resolution to read the Bible more this year because pastor said not. That's not what I said. There's, there's nothing wrong with any of those resolutions. I said, read your Bible more, pray more, please. I'd love you to do that. But don't make it an obligation legalistic. Uh, resolutions are not legally binding. Here's a newsflash. Nobody is going to call the cops on you if you don't wake up at 6 a.m. to go run three miles this week. Okay? You, you know, you're thinking, hey, I'm going to run, I'm going to get in shape. And then the first morning you don't do it, you're like, oh my gosh, this, this is the end of the world. It's not true. It's something we impose over. We, we do something with resolutions that God doesn't even do with us. If, if God operates about out of a place of grace and mercy and compassion, shouldn't we operate there too? They're not laws. They're just resolutions that, hey, I'd like to do this to improve my life. Here, here's, here's a good resolution. In fact, I said the cops won't come if you don't run three miles at 6 a.m. The only one, if you're, if you're looking at resolutions as an obligation and a legalistic thing, the only one who's going to keep track of it as closely as you is the devil. Because he's, he's going to come and heap condemnation on you when you don't do it. Like, hey, you even told your friends at church that you were going to pray an extra hour a day this year, and I know you didn't do it. How could you ever look them in the eye again this week? <laughs> Because, yeah, don't go to church because you know, and, and this is the scenario, we, we make this up in our mind, but we think, oh my gosh, if I go this morning, I'm not even going to get in the front door. The greeter is going to stop me and say, how's that praying an extra hour going this week, Daniel? And we're going to have to be, oh, I better just go get back in the car. Like, I don't want to hear it. It's, it's only it's these mind games, and it's only the devil that will heap that condemnation on you. Yes, make resolutions, but, but don't do it from an aspect of obligation and legalism. Here is a much better resolution. Keep up the good work. That, that's, looking at resolutions with that mindset is much better. Here's in Psalm 103. This is even God's attitude towards us. Psalm 103.14 says, He knows how weak we are, and He remembers that we are only dust. Come on, if God remembers that you're only dust and you're weak and you're probably not going to keep it the entire year, shouldn't you have the same attitude towards yourself? God, I, I want to do this. I want, I want you to help me do this. I want to improve. But don't beat yourself up if you don't. Just keep up the good work. Celebrate small successes. Man, hey, I, I wanted to run every day this, this week, but I, I hit three days out of five. Man, let's celebrate because that's three days I didn't run last year. Like, like, look at it from that standpoint and say, hey, we're, we're going to celebrate our successes. We're going to keep up the good work. We're not going to get discouraged. Remember that it takes time to make a habit. How many of you have ever heard that? You, you, know, the, you know the number of days? 21, 28. I've heard a couple of different ones. It takes almost a month to actually make something a habit in your life. So don't get discouraged if you're, if you're a week into it and you're like, man, I couldn't make it happen. It takes a while. It takes time. We need we are a work in progress. If you fall down, get back up. Don't don't let not keeping a resolution be the end of the world. How come on, how silly would that be? Nobody in this room is gonna do this. How silly would it be if you said, Man, I'm gonna make a resolution to read my Bible fifteen extra minutes every day and then the first day you don't do it, you said, Man, that's it. Never gonna read that again. Come on, if you fall down, get back up. And, and get on the horse. Keep up the good work. Don't let your resolutions be legalistic. And here is the last one I want to touch on. This is a horrible way to make a resolution. Doing things all by yourself. 
How many of you have ever heard somebody or you've made a resolution that starts out with, I will or I won't? That's, that is a special type of resolution called a vow. When, when, you, make, when you make that, oh, I'm going to do this this year. I will get up early every day. I will do this or I won't you know, watch two hours of TV every night. Whatever that resolution you're going to make, when we started out with just I will or I won't, this is, this is the spiritual dynamic that happens you leave God out of the equation. If you say, I will do this or I won't do that, I think God says, all right, I gave you free will. You just made a vow with your mouth that, that you said, I will do this. And I think he steps back and says, well, let's see how that works out. Here's, here's what happens when, when people say, I will. Because come on, how many of you have ever, and this is not just a New Year's resolution, but how many of you ever heard somebody make a vow like this? I'm never going to be an alcoholic like my dad was okay now this is only anecdotal evidence this is not an official survey but what usually happens to the people that you've heard say that they end up being alcoholics and whatever it may be you know being a lousy husband lousy father why do you think that happens so much is it something in our dna i think the spiritual dynamic is you stood up and you said i will do this in my own strength. I'll never do that. I will do this. And I think God says, well, let's see how it goes. And I think the devil hears that. And that's the place he comes and attacks. He said, because he hears it and he says, oh, you're going to do that in your own strength then, huh? Let me really test you in this and see how it goes for you then. And he has a field day in our lives because we've taken a vow that leaves God out of the equation. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, your quietness because you're thinking about things that people have said or you've said. Uh, God is the only one. God is the only one who can say I will and actually accomplish something all by himself. All the rest of us need him desperately to help us. There's, there's no lasting worthwhile change that we can produce in our own lives without him coming alongside of us. And when we say I will, that leaves him out. And it, it always ends badly when anybody else, because when you say, I will, what you're really doing is you're taking God's place in your life. You know, instead of saying, oh, you're the one who will, and you're the one who can, you say, I will. And when we try to take God's place, it never ends well. Here's a verse in Isaiah. Uh, this was Isaiah's prophecy against the king of Babylon. And uh, I've heard many different teachings about who they think it was also referring to. But just, just for the sake of reading it, this is what happens when you try to say, I will. Isaiah 14, verse 14 says, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And what happens? But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. That's what happens when we try to take God's place. When we say, I will, you get cut down. You always end up in the grave. If you've ever made a vow like that, here's what you can do. So if if you've said something like that in your life, you can just say, Lord, I renounce those words, and I invite you back in because I really need you to help me do this. That's that's an easy way to undo that. Lord, I'm sorry I didn't know about it. I didn't realize what was happening. If you've made a vow like that, just say, Lord... I invite you to come back in and help me. Help me in this area of my life. So it's a horrible thing to make a resolution that you're going to do all by yourself. Here, here is an awesome way to make a resolution. Community. Getting other people involved in our lives. Especially Jesus. 
Don't, don't ever leave Jesus out of what you're wanting to do. God put us in community and relationship with people for a reason. Hebrews chapter 10 says this in verse 24. Discover, this is, the, this is the verse that says spur one another on to good works. In the Passion Translation it says this. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. That's what we're called to do for each other. If you make a resolution this year, get somebody else involved with it. You know, help me be accountable. Encourage me to be the one that actually keeps us. Let's do it together. Let's, let's go run in the morning together. Let's, let's, let's tell each other, let's send an email every day and say, hey, this is what I read in the Bible today. You know, this is what I learned out of it. Something like that to get other people involved to foster that sense of community. We weren't called to do this alone. And I think when we realize we can't do it by ourselves, that ought to stir us with mercy and compassion towards others. We should realize, man... We all need each other. We are in the same boat. And that is, is kind of a dovetail to that one. Awesome resolutions really do include things that aren't just about us. Sometimes we make resolutions and we don't realize it, but it's making us more self-centered, more introspective, instead of saying, you know, I, I could volunteer more at a food bank this year. I could serve more at the church. I could do something for my neighbor. Like those are good resolutions that actually get our eyes off of ourselves and build community around us. So if you're going to make a resolution this year, New Year's is a great day to do it. It's a good opportunity to reset, to reevaluate things in our lives, to start fresh. But make sure you're not making a horrible resolution. Don't make one that's going to submarine your whole life. Make, make awesome resolutions this year, and we'll grow together. Because Jesus wants us to change and grow, doesn't he? That's, that's part of what we're after. If, we, if we're not open to growing and teachable, we actually become unusable for Jesus. And that's, that's not a place I want any of us to be in. I want us all to be effective for the kingdom. So let's go ahead and stand. I want to pray for you. And, and I do want us to make resolutions this year. Whatever you're, whatever you're thinking, whatever God's dealing with you about growing and changing in, go for it. Say, say you're going to do it this year. And get other people involved. Make it happen. Thank you, Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your life that flows inside of us, for your desire for us to grow and to change and to become more like Jesus in reality, to, to walk out the things that you've already given us, just as the Word says, to live up to what we've already attained, what we've received from you, God. We want to see the more happen in our lives. We want to change to be just like you. And God, for all of us that are standing in this room, Lord, no matter what 2015 held, we thank you for your fresh start in our lives. We thank you for the new day you've given us, that, that you have new mercies today, that you're always doing something new, that we can fasten our hearts to the future of where you're leading us and what you're doing, and we can leave behind the things that need to be left behind in the past. God, I, I just declare right now freedom in this room for everyone that's been in bondage to something in the past. A supernatural grace to release things, to let them go, to stop holding them over our heads. Lord, we release those things that need to stay in the past and we embrace the future that you're leading us into. God, I ask that, that that freedom we experience in our own lives would be contagious to the people around us. That you would cause changes to happen in our lives, that you would cause growth to come, uh, that would cause our light to burn brighter, Lord God. That people around us would be impacted by the changes you make in our lives. God, I bless your people today. I 
thank you for your goodness that's upon our lives, for your hand that we see, for your favor that you've poured out upon us in so many ways. God, continue to walk with us. Continue to pour out your blessings upon our lives. Let your goodness and your mercy continue to follow us. Let it overtake us, Lord God. Let the favor of your presence, let the radiance of your face shine on our lives, Lord. And not so that people would see us and think what great lives they have, but they would see your hand, that they would see the work of Jesus in us. God, bless us even as we leave this place today. Let us leave with hope for what's going to happen this year, with a renewed sense of expectation of what you're going to do in our lives this year, the ways that you're going to change us and grow us, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you for what you're doing, and we honor you this morning. Jesus.